Hi everyone, welcome back to uh, another in, um, another episode of the Insurance Couch. Um, Oli, how are you this fine morning? I'm very well on my couch, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a classic mistake of kind of running into the discussion prior to recording. Um, yeah. I am very intrigued, a little less certain uh, than than I was prior to the, I mean, but that's exactly the you know that's what these discussions are for um as as always there's the disclaimer not because our lawyers told us so but because we think it's the right thing to say um you know we're sharing our current state of mind there's many ways to roam um however there's also certain um kind of mistakes and kind of best practices to follow as we see them and so feel free to um take what you take or leave uh these things as as you like and please also engage in a discussion with us uh by any means necessary and um, appropriate. Absolutely. And today's topic is a, a classic, an evergreen. Uh, we talk about innovation in insurance. And uh, as you said, you know, we, we've been pre-discussing this uh, prior to this recording um, because also with us, you know, our approaches to innovation have changed over the years. Um, I've started as a consultant, done other things than I do today, and then I then I think are, are right today. Um, and so it's not easy. What, what we've been discussing two, three weeks ago might not be 100% true today because we've learned more things and and maybe failed or succeeded. Um, and so this is this is what we'll be what we will be talking about today. Um, so big topic innovation. Um, Nick, how do you define innovation? So I think ultimately reasonably broad so so to me innovation is ultimately there to kind of drive some form of positive change uh for ideally um most stakeholders uh you know in, in involved um now for me I've, I've heard a definition you know it's kind of novelty times um application so yes there is a level of novelty but novelty is not a means in in, in itself uh, but it's really about application. Um, so if you just do the same thing like and scale it, it's not innovation. If you do a very innovative thing, but there's no uh, adoption, it's also not, um, you know, it's not innovative. Um, and that's ultimately how I look at these things. I also, um, and I think again, it's important to understand we come at it from different things. You know, in my job, I'm an enabler. I try, I, I have a tendency towards action. You know, I want to kind of, get things done. I want to work with insurers on certain things. So they, I probably have a certain bias uh, towards getting things done and also what you can improve externally, um, you know, just cards on the table. Um, then you might have from from your experience where you just kind of go, guys, you know, this is this is what you need to do. Uh, I won't help you with this. I don't know. Right. Um, but so so I think one thing to on the novelty part, if it's new for you, I would label it innovation hmm. because otherwise the one thing I will never do again is sit in some design thinking workshops where you just pull stuff out of thin air. Everyone has these great ideas, feels really good and no, uh, uh, no, no incentive, no authority, no agency to, to implement and understand what happens when you actually execute over an idea over a time frame of not three months, a time frame of three, five, 10 years, because that's really what these things require. And so, uh, yeah, if it's new for you, you see that's a, uh, you know, it has a sense of novelty, irrespective of where it came from. And there is a way how it can be applied, call it innovation, um, 
or call it improvement. I don't even care what you call it, but yeah, that's how I call it. Yeah, I, I, I like the I like the focus on application because I think a lot of things have been invented on paper or in our heads, uh, but haven't been implemented. Um, and so, as as long as they've implemented or, or apply it, you know, it's uh, it's not it's not innovation. I I agree. I a lot. I would also a kind of from startup land. I mean, there's the zero to one Peter Thiel kind of mm. mind, and these things exist, right? These things exist, and these are the things everyone talks about. I think there is a huge survivorship bias. Um, these things rarely work. I believe. Um, I'm more around, uh, you know, kind of lean startup or incremental uh, innovation over a long period of time, because I think these things have a much higher return on investment actually result in a, in, in a, in a, in a similar result over a long period of time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Now, a lot of people would argue there hasn't been much innovation in the insurance industry. In fact, uh, some people argue the last big thing we've we've innovated as an industry was aggregators, uh, you know, online comparison sites, brokers kind of thing. Yes, there's cyber, which is another form of, of uh, you know, protecting your things. Um, but do you agree? Is, is Hasn't there been a lot of innovation? And how important is innovation, after all, for insurance? So I would say... I don't think, I, I think it's the wrong question to ask. Uh, who gives a shit how much innovation <laughs> someone feels like labeling it? I think, have we done um, enough positive change in our industry? Clearly not. We're st clearly not, right? But I also think there is a certain, from, an entre from a kind of owner or entrepreneurial point of view, there's a certain level of priority, right? So it's to say, Stop sending paper, try to investing in an AI lab would be my level of prioritization of kind of moving things, these things out. Now, so I think who cares? Uh, because I, I'm not going to go into a discussion whether cyber is innovative or not, um, whether, you know, what that means. I think you can, you can pick and choose, but generally speaking, I think the second question is more interesting. Is insurance rather than, I don't know, consumer goods or um, machinery, does it have a um, market mechanics that favor first mover advantage? Yeah. Um, and I would argue it really does not. Yeah. And and the reason for it is there's no, on the core insurance, so I think on the core insurance product, um, it really does not um, because it's, it's, it's hard, it's, it's hard to, I think, recoup um, certain experiences and bad losses after they've occurred then in the market when someone else then kind of moves in and the kind of capacity moves in and you can also hire talent uh, away. Uh, so, you know, does Chubb re or does, I don't know, does Hiscox, Hiscox itself as an entity know more about cyber than the sum of its cyber underwriters who probably could get a really interesting offer, right? You know, I think it's, it's, it's tough. So I would say no, which is not to say, and we've had this discussion, for that I would I would be very skeptical about these top-down big bets, zero to one innovative bets. Big, mm. big, big day one. I would I would still say, let's just go, you know, excuse my French, bald steep on incremental innovation on steroids every time where you test and challenge the organization to kind of go back and say, is there something I can do to get better next week? Let's let's go. I think that is tremendously powerful because then insurance is 
exposed to and can support and drive the entire innovation of the entire marketplace, which consumer goods don't. So all of the developments we talked about, know, I know, cyber, AI, uh, carbon, uh, um, you know, reworking of the 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 industry. You know, uh, enabling corporation, whatever you whatever you want. Um, uh, protection gap. All of these things have an impact on insurance. So, and I think insurers would do well keeping in line with these uh, developments and um, making sure that adapting to these things become faster than a three to five year cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Um, I think that that sets 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 the stage. Um, um, when we've when we've been talking about innovation, you always had this this nice you know little there, there's three forms of um, which is kind of what we've learned at at a consultancy. But there's always three. Um, two is is not enough, and and four is, is too many. So uh, guide us through your your four or your three areas of of innovation uh, because I think it's it's very insightful. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a matrix two by two is is still okay from a consultant's <laughs> yeah. point point of view. Uh, I think like three to five is the is is the rule it seems. But no, I think you know improve core business. I would absolutely include that in in innovation. I yeah. think it's build new business products and services. Uh, but they're still very much uh, you know. And again, I'm not kind of, I don't really care. Um, whether you could probably also add expand to new channels. Now that I think of it, um, yeah. and the other one is kind of um, really invest in or build, uh, you know, new business models that might have some adjacency. But um, and I can give you example, right? So improve core business would be make sure that the entire customer interaction across quote offer bind policy admin is digital, right? That that could that would be to me an, an innovation for you still have uh, because if it's new to you. Uh, you know, that would be one thing, um, you know, new products and services. That's where, from my point of view, pet insurance would fall in, cyber would fall in, uh, maybe building, you know, carbon offset insurance products. That's kind of where that would sit in. Or um, I don't know if you, you know, for you, you know, entering an aggregator business for you, if that is, that is kind of good. Now, invest in new business models would be something akin to um, building your own, building, at the time, building your own, um, I don't know, garage network and also offering it to other insurers. So it, that could actually be, on a simple thing, all the things that you currently just do for yourself, spinning them out and actually offering them to the market. Um, doesn't, you know, not saying that it, it always works. It, 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 you, most new things uh, don't, but it could also be, I don't know, um, if you invest in, Anything kind of labeled beyond insurance, you know, preventative measures, monitoring measures, uh, et cetera. I think that could be uh, that could be that. Um, and quite frankly, I would say these are more on a continuum rather than distinct binary um, differences. Yeah. I think they, 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 they flop and flip. It's probably more like a Venn diagram or something. Yeah, true, true, true. Okay, before we jump into the the three forms of innovation, um, there's been you know a lot of forms of a lot of well forms of innovation, a lot of um, approaches to innovation that we've seen um, in, yeah. in our years in in insurance. Um, we, we name a few without without going deep. Right? Yeah, go um, ahead. There's, there's my 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 favorite is uh, fully internal um, innovation, meaning you know the teams that you have innovate around themselves. Um, or spin into new businesses um, without the help of 
external forces of whatever form, external meaning external of, of the, the teams that you've already built. Um, and that can regroup, but but still are, still are the people that, that you have. Um, we have seen innovation departments, you know, fully separate from other teams where, you know, innovation is bundled um, in, in order to kind of let the teams work on what they do best, uh, the day-to-day -day work. Um, we've seen um, corporate venture building, you know, um, a, a special form of, of innovation departments, I guess, in a, in a, in a separate legal entity, um, even more separate from, from the day-to-day -day business. Um, we've we've seen um, approaches to higher innovation, um, as you said. You know the people from Chubb or Hiscox that have that have been particularly good at understanding um, cyber insurance risks uh, are potentially for hire. I don't know what what you have to offer to them to hire them, but you know there are people out there having a deep understanding of of innovative things for you that that you could hire. Um, there's there's the other form of M&Aing innovation, meaning you don't hire a team from Hiscox, you buy Hiscox basically. Um, which is hard for most, but, you know, on a smaller scale. Um, so you buy an entire company in order to get the innovation within the company. That's if, if as, as you said, you know, if the innovation is more inside a, an organization than inside the heads of the people of the organization. Um, we've seen corporate VCs, um, you know, VC, venture capitals that are, have been started by insurance companies that invest into insure techs or other forms of, of startups. Um, and I think we've seen the, the most remote form is, when an insurance company invests in one or several venture capitals, um, so they are a limited partner in one or several venture capital partnerships um, and then co-invest basically or are part of the investment um, um, committee or team. Um, some of the forms, there's more forms, but that's what we've seen outside. Uh, I think we will be touched. We'll be touching upon some of them when we go through the through the three forms of innovation. Um, but you know, let's start with the first form. Um, improve your core operation. What is it? How would you set it up? Um, what's the typical form of, of this innovation? So again, I think there's, I mean, ideally I I I agree. Um Anything that comes directly from the organization, uh, you know, it's internally driven. Um, if you have the right people, incentives and resources to do so, that sh that should be part and actually is part of any organization. And now and I'm actually indifferent whether it's, you know, something you internally drive or it's something that is kind of pushed on you by market forces. You know, it's it's kind of like a blend. So I, I, I think uh, that would be my preference. And I would actually request that and expect that from from everyone and one way for example that i would uh, uh to not make this i don't know whether you know i probably at least call it continuous improvement um mm. at the very least and you know this could include things like you know what can we do every week to be you know one percent better next week or something i think that's a way to and ask people ab about this um now i think when it kind of comes more let's say uh, involves technology investments. It involves certain levels of iteration. Um, I think there is, and you know, we've discussed this earlier. I think with with anything novel, that that I I liked three phases to look at it. You know, it's the jungle phase where you need to be, uh, you know, really rapid, self sufficient kind of go. The dirt roads phase, and then kind of the 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 highway. Um, and you just need to be careful that you don't deploy the same tools um, and and people for for these different phases. So what I think works, I'm a big believer in setting up a fully functional um, 
setting up a central support function, I think makes sense. Um, now I would argue that what I'm now outlining will change over time, but at least also to kickstart. So if you feel, I think that's also important. If you as an executive feel that your comp your, your organization should be more innovative, I think doing this as a, as a way to uh, um, disseminate more um, innovation is helpful. So for example, set up a central innovation team. I think it should link to the COO. I think CTO and CIO are less, not chief investment officer, but chief information officer are less because I think we both agree it's a lot about change. It's not, it's actually not about the technology, right? It's also not about building technology. It's about kind of driving this change. And I would argue it's probably the COO, uh, a role that kind of, kind of sits there. Um, I think because you want to drive innovation with the local teams, I think to support certain innovations and in a budgetary function on top of, uh, you know, your normal budgetary uh, uh, processes makes sense. Um, I think if you really believe there is something, you know, one, two, maybe 5% of the profits should go into a fund that is there to just improve your existing business. So you don't build tech debt, you don't build operational tech uh, debt. Um, and I would request from the operating units um, to suggest certain things that they would invest in and improve uh, to kind of get that buy-in and then look at how to support that uh, uh, with 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 the funds. And, you know, you can have different evaluation uh, categorizations. Um, and I would never fund anything 100%, um, you know, 50, 70% centrally funded because I think there needs to be some buy-in. And, you know, there's different ways around that, but that is that is ultimately I would... If I felt that there was more to be done on internal improvement, I think I I I would do that. Um, and ideally, you know, I'm not as strong as you with without external support. Um, what I think is important is that in your planning, you know, that the execution is the more important thing. And if everything is just the anal analysis and conceptualization phase, and then there's no additional budget about implementation, then I think that's an error. Yeah, oh, I agree. I mean, I agree with uh, with you that the, the best way to do this, to approach this is, is internally. Because, you know, I mean, improving your operation, improving your business um, is, is typically around existing targets, right? It's more business, it's it's more, it's different business, maybe other lines of business or other distribution channels. It's uh, potentially more profitability, less operating costs, less claim settlements costs, but less claims costs as well, better better loss ratio. I mean, typically has, has you know, KPIs that are already set for, and, and, are, and somebody is responsible for them. And so this somebody yep. should obviously have targets that can ideally only be, fulfilled and reached fully reached when you innovate um so if you set better loss ratio targets every year then typically you can't reach that this uh, without innovating something and so these people should be responsible um if they need external support for a period of time that's totally fine but it should be their responsibility you can't you can't push that to a chief innovation officer um i agree a chief innovation officer will never improve your loss ratio um, because he or she doesn't have the full PL, right? So, so for me, improving the internal business is typically about existing KPIs that somebody is responsible for, and this somebody should be responsible for, and, and should and should have 
higher targets um, and it should be incentivized to reach those targets through, in, in, through innovation. Having said and, that, I think I think we'll come to that back, back to that later. I think um, culture is is the key thing here. And and I think culture is a key thing. And so I think because it's continuous and it is internal, it needs to you almost need to have it as part of your day job. So I don't think. Um, you know, and, and this can be many forms, but I think some level of exposure of what is going out outside the mind, because I think ultimately innovation is just a reconfiguration of things that already happened. There's no true, don't expect a true eureka moment just in a bathtub, right? So I feel, um, but what that means is, you know, if, you know, whether you find, you know, going to to events, talking to experts, exposing yourself to certain things, having curated information from the outside in. It's not a project. It needs to be some form of continuous process and um, ultimately don't fall into the intern trap. Because what I hear a lot is, oh, we're so busy. Let's get a trainee. It's like, what the hell? Are, that doesn't make how sense. How is yeah. that going to work? No. You know, that's that's the thing. It's It needs, you need to have it needs to be the business unit's goal. And in a way, I think, if you think this is true, it also needs to be the COO, right? You need to have your own views to challenge. I don't think this is something you can just, I mean, you can just coach it away, but you need to, you need those people who ultimately decide on, on what to do need to, broaden their mind a little bit um, and see what's outside of what their organization has done all the time. Um, but yeah, it needs to be, I my point is it needs to be continuous. Uh, it's not a one-off. Um, and maybe you'll just reap that one good idea because people have been, you know, to conference five years. That's true. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. Unlikely, but true. Absolutely. Let's go to the <laughs> second category, um, build new businesses. So you go into new countries, open new distribution channels, um, create new 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 forms of insurance like, you know, cyber or pet or whatever. How do you do that best? So I ultimately think it you need to build products and services with a customer in mind. I, in insurance, other than I, I believe that your customer is your distribution channel rather than yeah. the end customer. Um, period. And by the way, I'm, I'm discounting five to 10% where that might not be the case. I'm, I'm discounting that. Right. Um, but you know, I'm 90% is pretty good for where I'm standing. I'm a kind of 80 is actually quite good. You know, I'm a Pareto <laughs> guy. So if, if that, if you see existing demands, requests continuously being you, you approach from your existing channels that should still sit in the core business, right? I mean, if you, if you see someone, you know, your brokers requesting and your competitors moving into cyber and expanding their thing to me, that's probably where, you know, that's still core business that should be there. That's just like market market development. However, I, I believe that if you, um, if these products require or the channels require um things outside of just designing an insurance product they divide they they require um you know different processes different technologies potentially different operational so as soon as whatever that novel product or service if that goes out of one department and requires the interlock of lots and lots of other departments and then the interlock of their portfolio planning um, and you see a big market demand, 
that might not be um, recouped in 12 months time, I think you need to set up a new business, um, a new business unit that is ultimately functionally and independent and uh, can make the proof points themselves. I personally would call this chief new business officer. I'll give you some examples where this was called a chief digital officer. To me, I don't care whether it's digital. It just, you know, it just needs to make sense. Um, and so set up a chief new business officer, have them report directly to the CEO. If again, you need more functional independence from, from the group, um, and if you feel this is not something that is already pushed on them by existing by their existing interaction with their channels, I like the concept of an MGA. They kind of have their own uh, uh, PNL in a way, part of an insurance PNL. You know, the the kind of uh, the, at least the distribution type. Um, and yeah, let them pick their own pick their own products and use their own organization as their primary but not sole distribution and partner and product provider um but let them give them the freedom to to cheat if if you like because then it allows you to give get more proof points um that's and and sometimes i've seen um you know you you can there, there might be some channels that are more conducive to this uh, so for example some direct channels or aggregator business um which have a different level of product iteration potential I'm not saying that customer acquisition cost problems but you know um could also be folded into this um affinity channels could be folded into this i believe but ultimately that's what i would that's what i would do yeah um, and I think we I, we've discussed that right. We, we partially agree. Um, I would, if you have a if an, an, a very innovative line of business, then obviously you create a new line as you do with you know household versus liability versus motor versus pet or so. There's always a line responsible person for for the line of business. Yeah. But yet you say you know it's it's divided into different C level parts: COO, chief sales officer, chief technology officer, whatever. So I'd, I'd set up a, a different line of business for each specific innovation um, where we don't agree is that it it does need a chief innovation officer, chief new business officer, whatever, because, you know, what wh what is new business and when is new business not a, not a new business anymore? And, and does then the new business officer lose that line and that line goes to wherever? Um, so for me, if, if you have an innovation and you feel it's it can't be done with the existing organization and create a new line of business um, throughout the organization with the new ops, with the new sales, with the new technology, with the new claims department. Um, it, it doesn't need a, a new, a new you so know, business officer. But I think that's, my, that's the only part where we potentially disagree. My ideal organization in a world where you feel you have an increased dependency on market developments and there seems to be higher level of entropy and and uncertainty is you know kind of very close to micro entrepreneurial where you can I, th I think it would be awesome to have this level of playbook and you kind of knew how to spin up these eight you know um how to uh, have this uh, spin up these micro entities even within the units and please these things together i just think where we are right now probably to you and know, ideally the chief in a chief new business uh, officer will make themselves obsolete 
or they'll go from, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, from a startup and now, you know, go from C to series A. That's what that, and then move them across, you know, or uh, from, from um, jungle to dirt road. So yeah, they would, I believe they would lose their, their business ultimately if it now gets, it's, it's so well-trodden that it kind of goes to, to a different team. I think that would be my ideal because I, I believe you only want redundancy when you are at, at different sizes of scale. You don't want redundancy permanently. I don't, I don't believe in a, you know, internally competitive. I've, 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 I've heard these things. I don't think that, you know, it's good to have internal competition uh, with exactly the same resources. That's not you know, I want to foster collaboration. I believe in collaboration, not <laughs> competition in my team, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, so that would be, I think, the the only difference we have in opinion. Okay. Now that leaves us with uh, new business models. Um, as you said, you know, very new models, uh, probably past, you know, you know, beyond insurance or selling, you know, your services to others. Um, I think that's a big step for most of us in insurance, um, which calls for another way of, of of innovating. Or what do you think? Yeah. So I think when we, if we start spinning up our own assets as their own kind of microservices and you know, kind of debundling, if you like, I think that can sit um, probably in the second bracket, right? Um, the the assets because you would then kind of sell this outside, and that's probably you know, not your, your existing infrastructure is not that conducive, but, you know, your, your new, you know, kind of white labeling or partnership with your competitors could kind of sit in, in the kind of new business area I've discussed, discussed. I think other, other than that, yeah, you think you, if it's not, you're building this your, yourself, but you kind of want it over the investment, you know, you've seen CVCs or VCs kind of kind of propping up. There's different shapes. Um, I think the important thing is if you should be the spillover effect from above financial returns um, or the spillover effect of uh, enabling a partnership that requires the respective business units whose uh, KPIs do not include investment returns is also not super helpful. So I think Go for it. You know, they either invest in an LP. If you think you you can you can hire these better, cheaper, do for a CVC, focus on certain financial returns. But it's the, the spillover effect to your core business will be minuscule. Yeah. It can and still be a good go idea, by the way. It can because you know, I, I think it can still be a good idea um as an as a as an asset class. Um, but I think the spillover effect is is conceptual rather than practical yeah i agree because it's different people in the organization right it's investment officer versus the the line managers um and and if, if you're a good line manager you know what's going on in your area of business no matter whether your investment officer has invested into a a startup in that field or not i mean you attend the the important you know meetings uh, or conferences uh, you talk to people and so you know what's going on uh, without anybody invest, investing. I, I hope that, you know, the the Allianz line of business people um, knew about Lemonade before Allianz X invested into Lemonade. Uh, that that shouldn't be the reason for, for knowing that Lemonade exists. 
Yeah, and I and I and I think it's just you know you know then if if you have a strategic investor and you are the customer of that startup that creates certain, I don't think it actually again creates practical problems because most good partners work with multiple insurers. You kind of want that, um, but it but it does create an excuse not to work with someone. You know, uh, it's very you know an, an AXA startup will very hard find it. I I don't see Altios working with with Allianz anytime soon, a simple assurance yeah. with AXA. It's just kind of unlikely, probably a for ego reasons rather than anything else. But yeah, I think it I think it's sensible. Um but it's it's probably more around the financial returns of something that you believe will will uh, uh create innovation in the marketplace rather than bring your own business forward. Okay, I think um, that wraps it off. We we have uh, we've collected a couple of uh, biggest mistakes, but uh, I think we're running out of time. So that, let's save that for. Let's for go. Another. I think I think we can run a little bit longer. Let's let's go because I think that's I I, I find that interesting, right? Okay. I always ask someone, you know, what's the counterintuitive thing? Where did you fuck up? Uh, cool. Because that's that's that the, the other the frameworks are fine, but I think it needs the examples. Um, that's why a business book has three hundred pages and not just three. Okay, um, let's go through a couple of uh, what hasn't worked. What what have been the mistakes that we've seen in the last? Can we go back decades? and forth? I do one, you do one. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Good. Let's okay. go. <laughs> Over investing in one idea versus seeding multiple bets and then backing the winners. Yeah, like that, like that. Um, as I said before, I think uh, you know underestimating the role of culture um, of you know incentivizing people to do to to try stuff uh, and not building careers on avoiding mistakes is is almost impossible. It's it's the culture that eats anything else for breakfast. Adding to that, I think it's then also, if you only have a position that can be taken away after 12 months, if it's failed, don't wonder why no, not that many people apply. <laughs> you know, sure. um, I think focus on absolute contribution towards the mothership versus relative contribution. I think it's, you know, a, a, a smaller business, a thousand contracts can be huge when you get started, whereas it doesn't move the mothership. So I think understanding leading and lagging indicators, uh, if you want to do the startup speak, is quite important at the um, at the uh, jungle phase. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think a, a mistake I've seen a lot is underestimating uh, sales and the sales channels. Um, it's insurance after all, right? It's not, it's, not the, it's not about the sexy product. It's not people are running into your, coming into your doors and windows and want this product off you. It has to be sold. And, and so I, I think you, put, you touched upon it earlier when you said in 80% or 90% of cases, your customer is the sales channel, not the end customer. And so I've seen a lot of, of innovation products underestimating sales and focusing on making the product ever more sexy but not, not thinking about who sells it. Absolutely. Ab absolutely. It's, it's, it's sales of a product every time. Um, I think not providing operational implementation resources. Doesn't, if it's internal, great. If it's external, use external, doesn't, doesn't, you know, but just dumping new ideas on busy operations um, that don't have the resources uh, to do and then need to go asking for other busy departments, I think is, yeah, it's not going to yeah. work. I think connected with the with the sales uh, mistake is we're in a bubble, right? I mean, obviously we are interested in insurance, and and we think that others are alike, but you know, not realizing that the the day to day normal 
customer is is you know a craftsman or somebody sitting at the at the cashier and then all these store or so uh, is is a big mistake uh, we, we 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 tend to create innovation for people like ourselves without realizing we're in a very very small bubble and the the typical joe and, and mary out there buying our having to buy our products are super super different talk to people that are not in our bubble before innovating yeah i mean i, I think you probably don't even innovate things for yourself i mean when was the last time someone actually changed their insurance even though they, they you know asked that question yeah. um but no i i i agree i think and you've mentioned this with the with the distribution partners as well but i yeah. think you know not creating buy-in from both the either both the operate the delivery and sales units before going into the product or what i you know i think don't build what you can't sell very right. simple cool so that's been a couple of mistakes if you have if you want to hear more i think we have more our list is long <laughs> Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we don't only count the, the successes, we also count the failures. Um, and I think you can probably learn more from the failures than from the successes. But um, yeah, let's let's uh, keep in touch, guys. Uh, I hope you find this, you found this interesting. Uh, again, it's not a solution. It's, uh, it's input for your solution. And your solution always has to be personalized for you and your organization. Um, I've enjoyed it very much, Nick. Thank you. And uh, see you again in two weeks from now. Thank you very much, Oli. Have a lovely Thanks, week. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye.